0: everyone and thanks for joining me today on the podcast Big Tourism. I am your host with the most, well, at least the most tourism topics, Erica Sears. Big Tourism launched last month with the goal of showcasing the complexity of coastal tourism, learning about non-traditional tourism stakeholders, and highlighting interesting case studies of destination management. Fast forward to this month, where we are weathering the storm and absolute confusion of COVID-19. As some of you may know, I work for an organization that manages tourism along the entire Oregon coast. And within that organization, my title is Destination Management Coordinator. Imagine having that title right now. So to be honest, this past week has been a tough one. It's not easy to see local businesses struggling to stay open, having to decide what to do with employees, weeding through resources at the local, state, and federal level, and still not knowing when this will be over, while at the same time seeing communities come together during what has felt like a very divisive time in our country. It's been an emotional roller coaster of a ride, and I'm not sure when we will disembark. What I believe is most helpful during this time, at least within my role, is to just listen. I certainly don't have all the answers and I'm not sure I even have the right questions, but I know we have the right people. So this week I'll be interviewing folks from the Oregon coast who are affected by the outbreak in different ways and therefore are dealing with it uniquely. Today I have a very special guest I'm excited to introduce you to, Ken Henson is a co-owner and director of food and beverage for Pelican Brewing. He's also an avid fly fisherman, loves cooking fine food, and maybe even long walks on the beach. I I don't know. Maybe we'll find that out today. Uh, Thanks for joining me today, Ken.
1: Thank you, Erica. Pleasure to be here.
0: Yeah, so I think we're going to just jump right into it. Um, I think you and I could have a podcast that goes on for hours. We love chatting about these different issues that we see coming up on the Oregon coast. Um, But to start with, let's just paint a picture for listeners out there who may not be familiar with Pelican Brewing. Um, So please briefly describe the restaurants and operations that you manage, like how many locations, where those locations are, and how many staff are employed.
1: So, I manage five restaurants, uh, not only for Pelican Brewing, uh, which has full-service restaurants in Cannon Beach and in Pacific City. They also have a production brewery and tap room in Tillamook, Oregon. And uh, we're affiliated with Kiwanda Hospitality, which owns um, Meridian Restaurant and Bar, which is part of Headlands Coastal Lodge and Spa. And that's a 66-seat, farm-to-table, hyper-local. Uh, restaurant, and we have a bakery and coffee shop here in Pacific City as well.
0: And how many, about how much staff in total do you guys have, and how does that change seasonally?
1: Currently across all of lodging and food and beverage, we have about 425 employees, uh, and that includes some administrative positions as well. The food and beverage side really ramps up their employment during the summer months, we go from, we probably triple our business and double the size of our service team in the middle of summer.
0: Yeah. And so does that hiring process kind of start now during spring break? Or is that something that kind of starts still in about a month or two?
1: No, we were just ramping up the hiring process uh, to get ready for spring break. Um, And of course, with with recent uh, concerns in the state and across the nation, uh, we've, we've curtailed that. We've, we've actually just stopped the hiring process across the board.
0: Yeah, so I think that is a good transition to just jump into the coronavirus. So this past week has brought a lot of impactful news to our state, and it feels like it's just so strong to our coast. And one of the main announcements that I think really shook us um, was Governor Kate Brown's executive order to close all restaurant and bar dining areas. What was your first thought or reaction when you heard that news?
1: my first thought quite honestly was panic i didn't i didn't know what we were going to do and um you know it's interesting i was we thought we were going to hear that message and then earlier that morning kate brown had come out and said she wasn't going to take action to close and i had just gotten off the phone briefing uh the food and beverage team that we would not close when five minutes later I got the call that we do we needed to close, so there was a lot of scrambling and and you know confusion. Um, yeah, it's if you're a fan of Bernard Brown, uh, there was a lot of FFT, um, <laughs> and so you know, we didn't really know what to do. Um, we're a pretty agile group and and very tenacious, very entrepreneurial. So we immediately set ourselves up to do room service to all of our lodging facilities, and offer to go and home deliveries out of our restaurants. Uh, we were able to ramp that up really quickly. I'm, I'm really proud of the team and how agile they've been able to be, and, and it's been pretty successful so far.
0: And is there another option that maybe like the restaurant industry was talking about, or is there another alternative to shutting down restaurants and bar dining areas? Um, or is this kind of it?
1: You know, I think really you're you're able to be kind of the sky's the limit we're We're in a a world now that we've never had to deal with. you're having to learn on the fly. I know a number of restaurants are setting up kind of pantry type retail operations where they're delivering or have for sale things like toilet paper and rice and beans and and things out of their pantry that a lot of people aren't able to get. And it's not only, it's not only about being entrepreneurial, but it's about what's right for your communities. And especially, you know, this Erica on the coast, we have to take care of each other. It's mm-hmm. we're so far removed from the Portland's and Salem's, you know, if in Pacific city, if you want to go to the grocery store, it's a, it's an hour long round trip.
0: Yeah. 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 And I think what's special too about the Pelican is that, um, you know, it's locals that you employ. It's, it's not a lot of people from like out of state that are moving here for, to work at the Pelican, They're different locations. Um, so what effect did this have, or is this having on your staff? So if you're only doing takeout orders and sounds like maintaining lodging operations, what happens to all of the bussers and servers and some of the back of the house people? Has that been affected?
1: Yeah, absolutely. It's It's been devastating, quite honestly. It's, you know, one of the things that I pride myself most on in a tourist economy is that we're able to take dollars that don't exist in our community and turn them into payroll. And Pelican puts quite a bit of money into payroll in our local community. We've had to furlough almost all of our staff. Um, you know, all salaried managers have taken pay cuts. I don't know if I should say that publicly. But, you know, we've done everything we can to really prepare ourselves to, when this is over, be able to re-employ as many people as possible. And we thought the best way to do that would be to take a furlough approach, which would allow people to become eligible for benefits that they wouldn't be allowed to to solicit because they were still technically employed or partially right. employed. And, you know, we, we thought about how do we Divide up staffing. You know, do we give everybody an hour a week, or or do we just furlough everybody except essential personnel and try to try to keep the the Stacey's of the world employed as much as we possibly could?
0: And so, so how many people did you furlough? I think in the beginning you said you have around four hundred staff. Is is that about four hundred people that you had to, to lay off?
1: On the food and beverage side, we have three hundred about 325 employees and we furloughed about 250 of them.
0: Wow. And what was that? I mean, was it you personally that was giving the news or what did that look like explaining that to your staff? Um, can you kind of describe that experience for us?
1: Yeah, it was, it was me for the most part, delivering as much of that message as I could. You know, I think that's just a part of leadership is, you know, you don't want to pass that those heavy burdens down. Um, So, you know, I I really spent most of yesterday talking to as many staff members as I could, trying to trying to help them understand that our real goal is how how do we weather this so that they have jobs to come back to? Mm -hmm. And, you know, it, it was heartbreaking, quite honestly.
0: Yeah, I can imagine that was a rough, rough day Um, and I'm guessing a lot of driving as well. If you were going up to your Northern location, Canada beach, and then about an hour and a half to your Pacific city location. So really a large part of the coast being affected by that. Absolutely. So, um, this weekend's Um, you know, I think a lot of Oregonians are really staying in their homes and taking this pretty seriously. But what we've seen on our beaches is absolutely packed with tourists. Um, From your perspective, you know, what do you, it's it's kind of a confusing time. Generally, we're excited to have tourists come to the beach, but right now it's sort of confusing. Um, What is your perspective on that as a, as a business owner?
1: It is confusing. It's, you know, I'm, I'm caught up in, there's a real dichotomy in trying to figure out what the right thing to do is. Our beaches are absolutely packed. We opened up for, um, to go orders out of our, out of our Pacific city location. And it was, it was packed in here yesterday. And in one, uh, in one way, that's really great. That's what we're here to do. But in another way, I'm struggling with, is that the right thing to do for our employees? Are we somehow encouraging that tourism? Would as many people come here if we weren't open? And I don't, I don't have the answers to that, but I'm going to spend a lot of time today talking to our staff about how do they feel? Do they feel safe? Are we doing enough to protect them? Are we doing enough to provide the experience for our guests that we want to provide? You know, we don't want to denigrate our brand in any way,
0: right and we
1: need to balance that need to make money with with in, in an effort to keep people employed with keeping our you know being protective of our team as well so i think yeah. we'll, we'll have a lot of decisions to make today
2: the american shoreline podcast network and coastalnewstoday.com are brought to you by lja engineering with 28 offices along the gulf coast The folks at LJA Engineering are at the top of the craft in the areas of coastal restoration, coastal infrastructure, rivers and channels, numeric modeling, disaster recovery, and design and construction oversight. And now they have a brand new coastal resiliency department headed up by our very own Peter Ravella. Check them out at LJA.com. We are also brought to you by Coastal Transplants. Coastal Transplants prides itself on offering specific environmental and horticultural expertise with practical first-hand knowledge of all aspects of coastal revegetation projects. Their high-quality native and wetland plants, extensive agricultural and horticultural experience, along with their skilled and respectful crews, make Coastal Transplants your one-stop solution for restoring coastal ecology of your barrier island community. Learn more at CoastalTransplants.com. And we are brought to you by the Dune Science Group. Did you know that fiberglass is one of the strongest and most durable building materials in the world? That it is resistant to deterioration caused by UV light and salt water? Well, the Dune Science Group does. They offer a full slate of solutions for dune walkovers and boardwalks that are made of fiberglass and built to last. They can handle your Dune walkover project from beginning to end, including permitting, design, and construction of the strongest and most durable Dune walkover on the market. Learn more at the dunesciencegroup.com. I'm sure, and
0: I, I think that's something that I've been looking at, looking at just some consumer-facing channels, you know, state parks, um, closed down all campgrounds. I think that was two days ago now. Um, so I've been looking at their social media and that announcement that they made. And so many people be like, this is ridiculous. You know, I want to come out here and you know, people, I still need to recreate and I just think sometimes it's hard to also communicate. We want to do this to protect you as the consumer, as the visitor, though we also need to protect our teams and our communities. And it seems like it's just kind of this confusing, you know, conversation sort of back and forth right now. So yeah, um, I appreciate you being able to reach out to your team mm-hmm. and and really like respecting their safety and their opinions during this time.
1: Yeah, I think you know, one moment of, of levity for me is we we received a one-star Yelp review <laughs> on TripAdvisor for the Cannon Beach locations because we wouldn't let them come in and drink at the bar.
0: <laughs> <laughs> You're like, what am I, a wizard? <laughs> <laughs> I can't do it all. Um that's that's it yeah well yeah at least you have a sense of humor about it Yeah Um so what are your major so as an, in a leadership role for your company I'm sure you have a lot of prioritization lists going on right now and there's probably short-term concerns and actions and there's also long-term concerns and maybe actions um can you kind of talk about some of that short-term versus long-term concerns that you have or that your team has
1: Yeah I think the short-term really is how do we make sure that we're going to be around six months from now? How do we make sure that our teams have food? How do they have resources? Um, You know, we have a responsibility to help them through all of this, whether they're furloughed or not. Um, And then long-term, what do we need to do today to make sure that, that we're able to be open in six months or, or, you know, hopefully this is really short lived, um, that in four weeks we can all look back and laugh, but Mm -hmm. what if we can't, you know, I think the, the landscape is changing minute by minute and we don't really know what to expect. We can take some guesses, we can forecast, but we're really all of us in, in across the country are playing, flying by the seat of our pants and playing this by ear.
0: Yeah. And when it comes to the the brewery side of, of Pelican. Um, you know, I think that's really like where you guys had a lot of brand awareness. People love Pelican beer. I love Pelican beer. Um, but are those operations still able to happen? I mean, you're like the brewery, like that, that area is pretty big or what's going on in that space.
1: So the brewery, and in case you and your listeners don't know this is the most award winning brewery in the United States, Um uh, little, Little, uh, little fun fact yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's uh, a good
0: one
1: <laughs> the the brewing operation we think that we can follow the cdc's recommendation for social distancing and still maintain operations in a in a manufacturing environment the plan is that we will continue brewing operations and the good news is for those that are staying home staying healthy they're stocking up on Pelican beer.
2: Yeah, so,
0: they can have it delivered is or shipped to their house.
1: Absolutely. Well, they can't have it shipped to their home, but we are able to offer beer to go and delivery of beer to okay. residents.
0: Yeah, I mean, if you have to be quarantined, like you might as well be, you know, drinking beer brewed right at the beach. Um, I definitely like that that style. I like that too. Um, So switching gears a little bit, um, just a little bit away from sort of the operational side of the pelican, um, as a longtime advocate for the tourism industry on the Oregon coast, I think you've been involved in a lot of advocacy efforts and leadership in tourism. uh, How do you think this pandemic will change Oregon's perspective on the tourism industry?
1: That's a great question. I think tourism along the Oregon coast is really a double edged sword. And people are either pro tourism or they're anti tourism. And certainly the Oregon coast is not immune to that. I don't think it's going to change much. It will, people who see tourism, who champion tourism as a force for economic independence, will be scrambling to create tourism opportunities and tourism experiences along the coast. We're going to have to recover from this. There's been a big economic impact uh, just in the last week from the COVID situation. And we're going to need those, we're going to need those tourists to come back and people who are not advocates for tourism, I think are going to dig in their heels a little bit and say, Look at the risk that tourism brings, but I I don't think I don't think the advocates for tourism will no longer be advocates for tourism, and I don't think people who are not advocates for tourist tourism will suddenly jump on the tourism advocacy bandwagon.
0: Yeah, I think that that's an interesting perspective, and I love asking people, especially people that have been a part of this industry for a long time, um, because the general conversation that I that I've heard before. COVID happened was, you know, people don't realize on the Oregon coast, um, I think on a lot of coastal communities that we wouldn't have the assets that we have, like coffee shops and restaurants and breweries, if there weren't tourists, like you said earlier, bringing in that, that dollar that we could turn into salaries. Um, so people are like, if we didn't have it at all, then they would realize, you know, realize how important tourism is. But yeah, in this case, when now there's sort of a fear of outsiders coming in and bringing in a pandemic, you know, the coronavirus, it'll be interesting to see if anybody's opinions or perspectives shift during this time, or if people will be just like more solidified in their opinion than ever. Um,
1: Yeah, I think it will strengthen their opinions.
0: It'll be interesting. We'll have to check in and again, you know, and when this ends and we'll see kind of what we've learned during that time.
1: Yeah. I don't think it will stop tourism coming to the coast at all. I mean, if you look out, go to the beach today and it's going to be packed. I think we live in one of the most spectacular places on the planet and people want to have a little piece of that. They're going to continue to come.
0: Yeah. Um, And yeah. And who could blame them, you know? exactly. So um, my last question for you really going deep here. Um, is that I have heard you say multiple times um, to crowds of people who it really resonated well with, is that you believe hospitality will change the world. Do you still believe that? And what does it mean in this
1: context? I do believe hospitality will change the world. I think it's the only thing that will change the world. In this context, we're living in a world now before coronavirus that was filled with anxiety and division and now with the addition of the coronavirus, or as I like to call it, COVID, Mm -hmm. um, there is so much anxiety right now. And the one thing that we have in common is we want to feel cared for. We want to feel valued. We want to feel that someone loves us. We want to be taken care of. And that's, that's what hospitality is. That's the reason that I love this industry. I have a, a quote on my, on my corkboard that I'm looking at right now. It's from, I believe, Milton's Paradise Lost. It says, they eat, they drink, and in communion, sweet, quaff immortality and joy. And we can kid ourselves that we're in the food and beverage industry or that we're in the hotel industry. We're in the industry of making people feel great giving them comfort, bringing them together in communion, helping them celebrate. And if you put all of your fears and political ideologies and social attachments, ideological attachments aside, if we've forgotten how to be nice to each other, we've forgotten how to, how to provide for each other. We've forgotten about, I mean, it's an easy decision to say, okay, we're COVID-19. We need to close our doors or we need to stay open and try to get as much business as we can.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. The, the hard part, the thing that's important is how do we provide for our people and how do we provide for people who are coming to us looking for that comfort, that sense of peace and calm in a really hectic world, things are changing so rapidly and there's so much anxiety and we're in a position through hospitality to be able to provide a little bit of comfort and respite from the storm. It's a heavy burden of responsibility that I think too many people take too lightly.
0: Yeah. I think that is beautifully put, Ken. Thank you for those words of inspiration. Um, you know, for anybody out there that maybe is in the restaurants lodging or just hospitality industry in general um, the role you play is super important and will always be really important and you're appreciated um, we're gonna wrap it up there ken thank you so much for taking time out of your day to talk with us and talk with our listeners um, i wish you and your team the best during this complicated time
1: well thank you very much thanks for having me erica and it's always a pleasure every time i get to speak to you i learned. <laughs> something